Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Local voices, local conversations. Thanks for joining us here at NapaBroadcasting.com. The last time Gordon Uther was here with us, we talked about a relatively small public art project in front of the Archer Hotel here in Napa. The hand, as it was called at the time, it stirred up a fair amount of local controversy, some jealousy, and I'm sure it seemed like a big deal to many. But today, Gordon's involved in a project that is far, far bigger. In fact, it's part of what's currently the second largest construction project in the United States. It's the new terminal redevelopment project at Salt Lake City International Airport. It's an eight-year project. Gordon's work is an integral part of it. And it is my pleasure to have Gordon Uther here on NapaBroadcasting.com once again. Gordon, thanks for coming in. It's nice to see you again, Jeff. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to have you here. This is a big deal. Uh, it's about as big a deal as I've ever seen, not only in my own career, but just looking around the world as I understand it, at least in the United States, I've never seen a, an art project of that scope and magnitude. When you look at an art project at the, of that magnitude, and we'll talk a little bit about how big it is and what's involved, it's hard to, to reconcile those two ideas because we think of art in, in more, I guess, precious terms sometimes. That's right. We don't necessarily think of art on the scale of something that is part of this huge airport terminal project. Talk about that. Well, in, the, in public art, you know, so public art infers that it's out there in the public realm, which usually means it's integrated into architecture or into landscape. So right there, um, they're usually relatively large. So these budgets can run 100000 to half a million dollar projects and, and higher than that. Um, I'm not really sure um, what else to say about it, except if we want to compare what I would call fine art. So that's mm-hmm. you, the artist, standing in front of your canvas, right. creating a painting. That's a very but, personal... But this inter- is more than an art piece in an airport. And you've been involved with many of those at, at Hobby Airport, I yeah, guess, in, in uh, Houston. You have something... But this is really part of, almost part of the design of, of the airport terminal. Well, yeah, it was very, um, I thought, um, progressive thinking on, the, on Maureen Riley, who is the director of the airport. Her thinking was, let's bring an artist in, in this case, this artist. Let's bring him in on a, at an early stage before we get too far down the path of full design of the building so that the art can actually, or the artist, can be a part of how the design morphs into whatever it's going to be, and thereby there's more of a a blurry line between art and architecture when it's that integrated. Talk about how this came about, and how do you begin something like this when they come to you or you go to them and and you start talking about something of this scale? How does it begin to take shape? Well, you know, actually, in a lot of ways, it's not very different than so many of the other projects I've done. I've done at least a half a dozen airports and universities and libraries and corporate buildings, hospitality, you name it. It feels like I've been there. Um, A project like this, I usually like to start with what I know for sure. And so what I know for sure is that I have an area in this airport down the spine of the airport that's almost two football fields in length. I know that it's a 10-story space. Uh, I know that um, we have a a theme. I always look for a story to tell. I'm trying to grab onto something. And so I look to the natural landscape of Utah, which is very much a lot of canyons and shapes and forms that have taken millions of years of water and air to form them. So I started with the architecture, and I started with a theme. So I was going to be inspired by nature. And then I just 
basically um, explored multiple different ideas and included the architectural team, HOK out of San Francisco, included the mayor's office, included the leadership at the airport and, you know, did very preliminary conceptual things first. And then we picked a direction and it was just a matter of uh, multiple layers of refinement till we got to Mm -hmm. what we have today. Talk a little bit about the process of working with the architects in something like this, because that could, it, on the surface, it seems like that could go really well or really badly. Well, and it really has a lot to do with the attitude of the architect. So mm-hmm. um, in this case, the director said to the architects, thou shalt use Gordon. And so it's a good thing they already knew me or knew of right. me. Um, it was a good thing that they were friendly to the idea. A lot of architects... Um, are not necessarily that friendly to the idea because they or the idea of integrating art because they right. believe their architecture is the art right. and so you know was very careful to be respectful of what they were doing um, and they had to be respectful of what I was bringing mm-hmm. to the table. It turned out to be quite a a nice collaboration actually. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. And was it a plus that they were Bay Area architects? Oh was yeah, that- it made my life easier. I mean, I. Although, you know, today in the digital age and um, WebEx and all that kind of stuff, you can work with anybody anywhere, but it's easier to go face-to-face. Yeah, less in terms of that and more just in terms of sensibility I was thinking about. Um, Yeah, you know, well, it's not so much geographic. It's more the personality of a of an architectural firm. Believe it or not, firms, corporations have their own personalities. There's a firm called SOM, for example, a highly esteemed architectural firm that has, you know, not has the same notoriety that it used to, but they have a certain um, arrogance about them. And, you know, they consider themselves Puritans and they are the god of architects. And then there's other architects like HOK that are much more collaborative and, um, really want to listen to what the client wants and that sort of thing. Talk a little bit about how this wound up at your doorstep. Um, Yeah, that was just, you know, one of those crazy things in life. So I um, have been exhibiting fine art up at Artessa Winery for over 20 years. And I would imagine it was maybe five, six years ago, one of the uh, staff that worked for the leadership at the Salt Lake City Airport was with a bunch of girlfriends, went to Artessa. I had a catalog out there. She brought that home. It's still on the director's uh, desk, I noticed, last time I was up there and said, hey, you'd be interested in this person. And um, then that director came down and did a similar trip and bought a couple of small pieces of art and said, you know, one of these days we're going to do this airport project together. And I'm like, okay. And then um, a few years later, which was October of 14, you know, phone rings and it's Maureen and she's ready to get started and I said started with on what what are you talking about and it just morphed into this incredible thing what is most incredible to me is most of the projects that I do and we have a lot of projects right now we have at least 20 or 25 major projects going on in about 13 states in the country right now aside from this um, airport project almost every single one of those is um, competitive so I'm competing against anywhere from 100 to 400 artists. And then, then you make the finals. Then you got to do a design concept, and you, it's a beauty contest, and whoever has the most beautiful thing mm-hmm. um, wins. This was not competitive. This was negotiated, and um, I think it speaks a lot to the experience of 
myself personally and of my studio that we have the infrastructure and the creativity to handle something like that, that the director had that much confidence to do the process in that way. Well, there are, you know, as you say, hundreds of artists that, that you were competing with in some of these other projects. How many are there really around the country that have the capability, the infrastructure and the experience to do something on this kind of scale? Well, that's a good question, Jeff. And I'm Honestly, I think not that many. Right. Um, so there's uh, most artists, what they do is they'll create their concept and then they have a studio, a fabricator actually make the work for them. All these 30 years that I've been in business, we've been fabricating our own things and installing our own things. And so I have a full-time project manager and public art administrator, accounting, two designers, et cetera, et cetera. So over the years... I just built this infrastructure that can handle something like that. And actually, I could handle two or three more right now. I just the, My creative capacity far exceeds the opportunities um, that are out there in the world. So I'm very grateful to have this one, that's for sure. What about the physical capacities of your facility? Well, there yeah, on for something like this, I'll tell you that um, the one, just one, there's three main locations um, that we're currently contracted to do. And then there's other areas that we're curating and doing some other things for them but the the main spine that's referred to as the canyon is almost two football fields in length this is at the salt lake that's the right new salt lake, lake the new city salt lake city airport there are three stories tall and there's two walls that are well 30 feet tall and football and a half i think in length that requires uh seven acres of fabric um no excuse me three acres of fabric and seven miles of aluminum tubing each well, you'd have to. We're doing the radio, so it's kind of right, hard to hard describe to it. Describe, right. But I'll tell you that <clears throat> it's far exceeds the skills of our studio, and I'm not willing to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars of new high tech machinery to do it and then get it wrong the first time, et cetera, et cetera. So we reached out and found a fabricator that could handle that work, and so most of that project, interestingly enough, is being farmed out. When I'm usually, what's so interesting to me, usually we fabricate everything ourselves, but this mm-hmm. is better this way. Mm-hmm. And this is more than just the one particular project. You're doing several things that are going to be part of this terminal. That's right. So I just described the canyon briefly. There's also an eight-story glass sculpture that goes down the well of the escalators. There are these column covers referred to as as the plates that's being made at Chrysler in American Canyon. They're all out of fiberglass. Um, We did a project there years ago for the track station, so that's getting pulled up and quadrupled in length. There's um, some. Ex- they have about 400 existing pieces in their collection that I'm responsible for curating, and there's also three other, maybe four other areas that, um, together with the architects and the owners, I identified as other public art opportunities. Mm-hmm. So we'll be assisting with the process of selecting those artists and the medium. Talk about in in a general sense, aside from this project, just the whole business of public art on this scale in in universities or hospitals or airports mm-hmm. be and and just the fact that we're seeing so much more of that lately i mean it's a big deal everywhere yeah it's um you know i did my first public art project in the mid 80s and there were at that time i don't know maybe 150 public art programs in different municipalities across the country now there's maybe 450 and i think that um Culturally, um, we have progressed to a place where we recognize 
how important art is in the built environment. So if you can imagine a brand new building with no plants and no art and really crummy furniture, it takes all the humanity out of it. So I think that um, generally speaking, except for the naysayers, which we experienced recently with that other project, um, I think that humanity is recognizing how important art is. And um, I never thought when I started my career, I never even heard of public art. And I um, am thrilled that it's there. It's highly competitive, and it's just a brutal process to win. Um, it's, and it's very expensive to compete. We compete for probably 150 projects a year. Mm-hmm. We make the finals for maybe 15 or 20, and of those, we win five or six. So um, imagine all that work just to get to those five or six. How did you get involved in, in this kind of large-scale public art originally? Well, when I started as an artist um, on my father's kitchen table in Santa Elena in the 70s when macrame and sand candles, and <laughs> I'm sure your listeners remember those funny days, um, and he was just trying to keep me off the streets at night, so he gave me a box of colored glass and a parrot pattern or a pattern of a parrot and with 10 thumbs. I made my first stained glass window, and stained glass is um, was originally conceived for integration into buildings, mm-hmm. churches, right. restaurants, whatnot. So right out of the gate, I was working in a medium that was, like I say, by design. The purpose was to integrate into a building. And so I didn't start as a painter or something like that, so it was very natural to um morph into larger and larger projects and thankfully years ago i had the uh, foresight to recognize that if i restricted myself limited myself to one medium in that case at that time was stained glass then i would limit my opportunities as an artist so i decided i'd just look at every project for what it was what's the story and then the materials would follow and most of the time i really had no idea how i was going to make what i was designing so it's a wonder that i'm still here and i'm still in business <laughs> when you get involved in something like the salt lake city airport project which is a five six year seven year time horizon 2020 is supposed to be done mm-hmm. and the project itself is this it's not just a single terminal but it's a complete rebuilding of the airport it's yeah, a, it's a billion airport. dollar project mm-hmm. How does how do you then go back to the smaller projects and 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 even with your planning commission hat on, be thinking about some of these small issues that come up from time to time? Small issues, small or issues, small, small projects. Small projects. Small. Small, yeah. You know, I, don't, I guess there's a we have to define what small is, but even without defining what small is, I what I you know the fun. The most I mean, to use something from the past. I mean, it's hard. It, it seems to me it would be difficult after dealing with a $2 billion project to go back on, on one evening and worry about the color tiles on a building. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, the, the the most fun part of the Salt Lake City Airport project has already passed. And there's one more very fun part, and that's in 2020 when it gets installed. So as an artist, my creativity already, you know, I hit a bullseye, and now I have to patiently wait as it goes right. through this process. So what do you do in the meantime? So, you know, I need a steady, um, a steady flow of um, opportunities to, to um, leverage my creativity in such a way that there's, a, there's an incredible outcome. And so the si- size in this case doesn't really matter. Um, sometimes, you know, what I want to be really careful of is working on the, such a huge scale now, not to think that I'm too big for my britches and there's a 
temptation sometimes when people come up with um, trivial kinds of things like what color the sculpture is or something like that. Right. I, you know, your first tendency is to tell them to go pack sand, but um, I rem- I'll never forget where I came from. And um, I think it's very important to hold on to one's humility. So um, I'm willing, I'm very happy still to do the small things. In these competitive pro- projects that you get involved in and, and all this stuff, to what extent is being in Napa and the kind of Napa reputation, whatever is real or not being secondary for the moment, but that reality in terms of the reputation, mm-hmm. what impact does that have? Um, you know, originally it never even dawned on me that it would make any difference. And then I realized there were times where I thought of moving my studio out to Mare Island or to Oakland or, you know, and or if there's places called Delano or Bakersfield where the rent's cheaper and whatever. And um, I realized that, um, you know, clients like to come to visit the studio and mm-hmm. to come to this incredible place called Napa Valley. Um, it's it's makes it easier to get them to come see me. So I'm not sure how often the director of the airport or the mayor of Salt Lake City would come to see me if I was in some backwater place. So I think um, the fact that I am in Napa um, is not irrelevant. How much time do you have to spend in Salt Lake City over the next several years as a result of this? Or is um, that only once it gets to the installation Not that much. Phase? I mean, I have a, you know, the um, the lot of the fabrication for one major part called the Canyon will happen in Seattle. So my project manager mostly will go up there mm-hmm. and um, occasional meetings. Really, there's not that right. much that I would have to go up there for, but I still do with all the other projects, have to travel quite a bit. And tell us about some of the other things you're working on. Uh, let's see, a hospital in Stamford, Connecticut, a police memorial in Oklahoma City, uh, Clemson University in North Carolina. Uh, there's a project called Ro- in Rockland, New York, in front of a county building. Um, we're doing an Apple executive's home in Los Altos Hills. Um, I'm trying to think of, we're doing a parking garage in Morgan Hill, so that was very, very controversial. Um, what do they call it? Spider Gate, because it's a giant spider climbing up the side of the building made out of headlights, but whatever. Um, I can't remember all of them, but Jeff, there's about a half a dozen, seven of them I just, I just mentioned. Oh, another airport in Fort Lauderdale. We just won a major project in Fort Lauderdale. Um, we're competing for another airport in Florida. So, yeah, we're just all over the place. What kind of project do you want to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I don't – I think I've pretty much seen them all and done them all, but I'm very interested in seeing if there are other projects out there in this country of that scale of Salt Lake City's airport. Mm-hmm. I feel like all these years of – working really hard and um, I think I've gotten really good at what I do so I'm just interested in doing more of the things I've all not what I've already done but you know when I've done hospitals churches temples libraries commercial buildings any kind of building you can think of um, Mm -hmm. I've probably already been involved in so I just want to go bigger I would really like to do um, more spiritually oriented work, like in churches and that sort of thing. But as it turns out, it, I've, I've come to think that the airports of today are kind of the cathedrals of yesterday. So the cathedrals of yesterday were awe-inspiring by design, and that's where all the people would go. Now all the people, where do they all go? Where's the biggest concentration of people is, well, these transportation hubs. 
and so you know there are these grand incredible buildings so it's kind of interesting there's almost like the temples of today what about internationally how much have you done there and how much and do you want to do more um yeah i've thought about that a lot i've you know i've been to dubai and i've done stuff in japan and i've done stuff in the philippines hong kong germany um i'm somewhat interested in international work um i'd probably more biased towards germany because that's where my family's from i'm not that really that interested in doing work in places like dubai i know that there's big money there and big opportunities but um those are not my people um i'll just say it like that and i you know i and i've dealt with people in dubai for example before and it was really a real big pain and you have lots of exposure as a business there Uh and i'm just i'm not sure that it's worth the risk and also when you install it You'll never going to see it again, and nobody that is kind of in your cultural realm will ever see it. So it almost like an event that didn't happen. But I will look at every opportunity that comes my way. We'll, well probably wind up doing things we've, you know, been tickling around. China has been coming around a few times. Maybe that will happen. But we're not pushing or trying to market to the international scene. It will come on its own, probably, is my guess. And certainly as far as airports go, there's you know, a huge need for rebuilding airport infrastructure in this country that yeah. uh, still has to happen. LaGuardia is looking oh, at a— The um, worst airport The worst Earth. airport, that, and it's shameful. But, you know, they're looking at um, spending $4 billion. It's twice the size of um, the Salt Lake City Airport in terms of, of money. And so, you know, we might get involved in that one. We'll see what happens. Well, thanks for coming in and uh, sharing some of Jeff, this with us. Jeff, it's always a pleasure. Um, and we'll keep you posted on the Archer. And um, that's going to be a really nice project as well. Great. Where does that stand right now? Uh, we should be starting fabrication in the spring. So um, all is well in Archer land. In Archer land. <laughs> Gordon Uther, thanks so much for joining us. Thank Appreciate you, it. Jeff Sheckman. Ciao. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.